The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by Alumni Ventures. Invest with confidence. Discover the power of venture investing with Alumni Ventures, America's largest venture firm for individual investors. Learn more at av.vc. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. This show is produced by the American Negotiation Institute, and with over 5 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made this the number one negotiation podcast in the world. Hi, my name is Kwame Christian, and I am the founder and CEO of the American Negotiation Institute. Here at ANI, we believe that the best things in life are on the other side of difficult conversations, and we are passionate about providing Providing you with the best content that will help you to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, I want to remind you that we offer consulting and conduct trainings, both virtually and in person, all around the world. Our focus is in three main areas. First, negotiation and conflict resolution. Second, leadership. And lastly, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Check the link in the description below to learn more about how we could work with you and your team. And now, without further ado, let's jump into the interview. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. All right, Kwame. So I'm, uh, my name is Jason Harris. I'm the co-founder and CEO of an advertising agency. We're, we're, our name's Mechanism. Uh, we're about 200 people, four offices. We work on big brands like Ben & Jerry's, Peloton, Charles Schwab, Jose Cuervo, et cetera, et cetera. We got about 25 brands. We do business to consumer advertising in every facet that that takes. We do a lot of hardcore brand strategy and creative work. And uh, really, I've been doing advertising um, my whole entire career. And um, in uh, about 2020, I launched a book called The Soulful Art of Persuasion, and it really packages up what I learned as an entrepreneur building a business and really my foundational beliefs in approaching uh, persuasion and becoming an inf influential person and how I built a business. And the real impetus for writing the book was uh, I re had read a um, Gallup poll that said the three most dishonest professions in America were uh, congressmen, used car salesman and advertising practitioner. And I thought, well, my, my industry has a really bad rap for being dishonest and, um, you know, to talk about negotiating, to negotiating and persuading customers to buy things uh, with a lack of transparency and honesty. And I never built uh, my business or the brands that I work on uh, with that in mind. I've, I've always done it in a very transparent, honest um, way. And so I, I kind of was like, okay, well, that's not how I feel the industry is. I feel like it's the backbone of capitalism and it's really brands matter. You know, consumers love and support brands and um, the brands that they love matter to them and say something about them. And so I wrote this book that's really about brand building and, and your personal brand and its values that I've built the business on. So that was the idea behind it. I love it. I love it. And, and Jason, you know what else I love? What? I love the fact that lawyers weren't on that top three list. 
<laughs> That's great. Oh, man. I tell you what, they were de- they were definitely in the top ten. I, we was, can't avoid it. Probably like five or six was lawyers. Like uh, that's funny. That is funny. No man, I love this, and I, I love the I love the name Soulful Art of Persu- Persuasion too. Because yeah. you're you're approaching it, and for me as like a potential consumer, I'm thinking about it from the element of hey, okay, a lot of this stuff can almost seem manipulative. Sometimes it can feel a little bit mechanical, or um, you know, just robotic or too tactical but the fact that you you're approaching it with that soulful that kind of shows that you're approaching it from a a, a different angle which i appreciate yeah exactly and and really the the soulful thing whether it's your personal brand or your business or whatever you're whatever you're selling because everyone is persuading at some level we're selling all day long you know whether you're selling in your personal life you're selling your uh spouse to take a trip right? Or your kids to get to school or uh, your boss to give you a raise in your in your professional and personal life, you're persuading all day long and negotiating, right? And so like, those are those are linked together. And the idea of, of the soulful idea is that you can be influential and persuasive, but you can do it in an inspirational way. And really, persuasion is based on personal character. And if you have good personal character, you're going to get a lot farther than if you don't. And it might be that you can persuade people or sell or negotiate in the short term. You can get some transactional wins quarter to quarter, right? You can do those. But in the long run, if you're not transparent and honest and empathetic and generous as a person and respectful you are going to, uh, that'll burn out, right? You'll get some easy wins, but that's not going to carry you through and you're not going to build a really large base and a big network because, you know, you're you're acting in a very transactional way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that makes sense. And one of the things that you said that I want to focus in on real quick is the, the term character because we throw it around. Yeah you know, almost flippantly, right? Now, as you're talking about character as it relates to persuasion, what does that mean to you? So, personal character to me is really this this notion that um, when people, when you're interacting with people, they're getting their real you, right? They're getting you as an original. They're getting you as the person that you're putting forth. You're being vulnerable with them. It's it's sort of a makeup of uh, four principles that I believe in. And the first is this original of putting yourself out there and showing people who you are. Uh, The second is about being generous and sort of cultivating this idea of, of generosity for other people, whether that's advice or counsel or connection or uh, even giving giving something away uh, to someone, it can be it can be a a thing. It can be advice, but it's really about being generous as part of be, having a, a a good character. Empathetic is another big one that we'll, we're going to dive into. And then this idea of of the final one is um, doing something in your work or in your life that is bigger than yourself. That is making the world a better place. As kumbaya as that sounds, it is really about that's how you develop an inspirational character is you're doing something with some of your skills that is above and beyond 
you know, something that's for profit or pleasure or what you might benefit from. So those are sort of the basic principles that I found make up uh, a you know good personal character that people will um, support you and want to work with you and you're going to build uh, your business around. So that's yeah. sort of the outline of, of what it means to me. You know, it's going to mean something to someone else. Those are the four values that I've, I've cultivated that I've also had to work on in my career. So like I was not born a generous person or an empathetic person. I was born uh, maybe more myself and comfortable with myself than maybe other people. I did have the sort of idea of, of trying to give back. Um, but I was not, you know, I would, I would hoard my contacts in when I was building my business, right? I would not, someone asked me for, Hey, do you recommend someone for X, Y, and Z? I thought that the way you built a business was to keep all of your contacts like close at hand and not give anything away to anyone. Or if I turned down a piece of business, not give it to a competitor. And, um, I quit quickly learned that my circle and my network got really small mm. and the opportunities got limited. And when I started to habitually practice being a more generous person, cause it didn't come naturally to me. Um, I realized that the, it comes back to you in exponential order because you are putting out good things into the world. You're practicing positivity and you're giving things away to other people that you're, sh you're sharing in essence, generosity is, is sharing. They will then share with you. You'll get leads from them and it sort of, uh, balances itself out and you end up growing your network. And, um, that's something that I really had to work on in my career. This is very interesting. And, and I appreciate that your candor here on this story too, because what you're showing is that when it comes to character, there are things that you can do to I improve upon it. Right. Because it's, uh, we have a, of course, we have a baseline of who we are. Right. But then if we recognize, oh, there's some areas where I can improve or need some improvement through practice, you can make those necessary changes, like you said, when it comes to generosity, too. Yeah. That's, uh, that's right, Kwame. You, you, I think there's, um, it's what I found in my career, but I really had to, um, understand it, identify it and then practice it to make strives to become better and develop that character because it definitely was not, um, I wasn't growing the way I was, I was sort of naturally wound. And so I had to make, I had to identify it so that I could then change and become a more generous person or a more empathetic person. And, you know, like even, even as a leader, I would think of, um, leadership as never acting like there was any problems in the company, never acting like I had any personal things to work on. And really that old, that old school notion of leaders as sort of stoic, uh, everything's okay. Um, never a problem. I've got it covered. Don't worry about it. That sort of approach, um, is very limiting. And when you, are more open, transparent, vulnerable. There's this connection that you have with your team that um, you can count on each other. And it, it opened a whole, you know, really helped blossom and grow the company. And 
have a real strong executive team that's been with me for a, a very long time. And so that's something that I had to really develop and change the way I was working. Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. Hey you, I'm Andrew Seaman. Do you want a new job? Or do you want to move forward in your career? Well, you should listen to my weekly show called Get Hired with Andrew Seaman. We talk about it all. And it's waiting for you, yes you, wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. So come figure it out with me on the Hello Monday podcast. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or NYU professor Scott Galloway on choosing a career. I think the worst advice you can give a kid is follow your passion. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday with me, Jesse Hempel, on the LinkedIn Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. No, this is great. And I want to focus in on the empathy side of this, too, because and and we'll dig deeper onto the fact that, again, just like generosity, you improve your ability to be empathetic because empathy is a skill. It's something you can improve upon. But let's before we dig into that, let's actually get a, a definition on the table for what empathy means in the context of persuasion and human interaction. Yeah, I think. um for me, there's uh, a few different steps to becoming more empathetic, but it's an essential habit um, to have a persuasive character. But really, empathy is the ability to understand the other person's uh, perspective or point of view. And I think we're in under the misconception that we might think we're more empathetic than we really are, or we think we understand the other person's perspective when we actually aren't really making an effort to. And so for me, um, one sort of key attribute of being empathetic is this idea of developing a natural curiosity for other people's, uh, other people by listening 
um, and learning from them more than uh, trying to convince them or jumping to a conclusion or getting the answer, but really to listen to their perspective or their story or where they're coming from um, to have that as a natural curiosity, which I had to develop that curiosity about other people. That's sort of one of the foundations of, of, I think being empathetic and the, the overriding notion is that, you know, we're all 99.9% the same, right? We all have the same DNA. There's, there's that, that, that point, 1% 1% that makes us different as people. And if you sort of go into it thinking how connected we are and how similar we are, and I'm talking about the mass majority of people, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about, you know, some people who might be uh, serial killers or on the fringes or on the outskirts, but I'm talking about, you know, most of the population, we all are very similar, but we have experiences and the way we were raised and, and, and different, um, uh, different encounters that change us and develop us into different people that have different perspectives and different viewpoints. And so part of being empathetic is understanding the other person's story, what makes them have a particular view or opinion. And that's sort of the first part of understanding somebody else. Um, I, I don't know if you have any questions about that piece of it, but I can keep going for. Oh uh, no, I love this. I love this, Jason, and I, I want to go deeper on the the curiosity aspect too, because that's something that we talk about a lot on this podcast. And um, now here here's something that I want to explore. When we think about some people, some people just are not naturally curious. That's not just, it's just not how they're built. So we talk all the time about how we can, how curiosity is so critical to persuasion, connection, communication, all that stuff. What types of things can people do to spark a little bit more curiosity within themselves? Yeah. So I, that's a good question. So I think in order to be empathetic and be curious about other people, one one technique that really helps is if you're um if you learn to be a good storyteller and you have certain things that have happened in your life whether it's you know it could be uh it goes back to sort of understanding and being comfortable with yourself but stories that impacted you through your life or uh your favorite movie or book or music or story um, and you kind of write those down, like, you know, collect a journal of stories that make you, you. And so you sort of know those and you're a good storyteller. One way to, to become empathetic and to get other people to open up and be naturally curious is you can start by saying, you know, I'm going to tell you a story about a, some pivotal thing that happened to me. You're being vulnerable. You're opening yourself up. That's going to allow them to then bring you a story, right? They're going to be comfortable that you put yourself out there. They're going to bring a story to you about uh, who they are and, uh, you know, maybe something that interesting that happened uh, in their life or in business or whatever it might be. You start to have a dialogue and that, that opens the curiosity lens where you're learning about them and then you can probe more questions 
um, and really get to know them on a, on a much deeper, not just transactional level. And I think that develop a natural curiosity about them when you're sharing a story about yourself, they're going to be apt to share some information or a story or an experience with you. And you're going to go a, a level deeper in connection. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's one technique or one way to, to be curious about other people is start with yourself and then they'll, they'll be open to, you know, talking to you and, and you'll be able to listen and really understand them. I love it. I love it. And Jason, one of the things that I've noticed with myself, I'm going to, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here and um, All right, hopefully I'm not the only freak out there who experiences this, Jason. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Sure but here, here's something that I've noticed. Um, like I said, curiosity is like the, the base of my, of my communication uh, style. And so we, we talk about the compassionate curiosity. Well, you framework. host a podcast for a reason, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the curiosity is there. So, so here's what I'm realizing is that there are times where my curiosity vanishes. And so in times when I feel more certain about certain, uh, about the situation, my curiosity vanishes. If I'm feeling more emotional, my curiosity vanishes. And so there are certain mental states that I get into where the curiosity disappears. And so if there are other listeners out here <laughs> who are struggling with the same thing, what advice would you give them to maintain that spirit of curiosity, even if they are not feeling it in the moment? Yeah, I think um, that, you know, I mean, right before I came on this podcast, I had, uh, you know, I was dealing with a, a a client thing that I'd prefer I wasn't dealing with, you know, so it kind of put me in like a different headspace. And I think the idea is to um, really try your best to be present in the moments when you're, you know, meeting with someone or negotiating, pitching, selling, whatever it might be try to really put yourself in that present moment and tap back. You know, what I always do is tap back into the core of who I am, what makes me me so that I can reach out and try to connect and, and have that curiosity about the other person. And then like after this podcast, I'll go back to dealing with the the issue I need to deal with. And, but for this period of time, I'm that's out of my mind and I'm focused on, you know, where we are now and uh, going back to, you know, who I am at a core is a good sort of grounding place to go back to and kind of take the noise out of, uh, you know, what's happening in your head. And, and, and then you can pick that back up when you're, when you're working on it by yourself and not, you know, in front of somebody else. So, that's one way I do it is really pause, try to be present, go back to, all right, these are my core values. This is what I believe in. And then sort of reset and go from there. So that's, that's one way I do it. Cause I believe me, I hear you. Uh, it's not, you can't always be naturally curious about other people uh, all the time because things get in our way and our days can get thrown off and it doesn't always work that way. Um, but another, if I can kind of hit, a couple more points on this empathetic thing that you asked about the other um, uh, part of being empathetic is um, finding value in, in joining forces with other people and different areas of expertise and different experiences and different backgrounds. 
But this idea of collaboration is also kind of at the heart of developing an empathetic uh, characteristic. And um, collaborations can be really, really beneficial. And I think I've, I've seen that, um, in, you know, in running a company, being an entrepreneur, I used to um, try to do so many aspects. I had a company before, I have three other partners now in this company, for example, and I, ha- I started a company prior that was just, uh, just by myself. And um, I found that I thought the way to do it as an entrepreneur is to go it alone and do it all yourself and, you know, show how successful you could be. And I realized that led to burnout and, uh, not as, not as quick success as I would have liked. And, um, that's not the way to do it, but by seeking out collaborations and joining forces with others, you can go, you know, much farther than you can by yourself. I think it's that old notion of, you know, if you want to, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that's mm-hmm. really true. Now, for you, having partners as a uh, as a, an attorney, um, I know some of my most interesting cases. Um, they were interesting for me, incredibly painful for my clients. Uh, <laughs> the most interesting cases for me sometimes were business partnerships, where you have multiple owners having these difficult conversations. And uh, one of my mentors said it best. He said, a a business partnership is a relationship second only to marriage. (laughs) That was his opinion. (laughs) And so, when you have these tough conversations with your partners about something that's so important to you, how do you maintain that empathy, curiosity, and have that still high level of character even when something that you care so much about might feel threatened in that moment? Well, that, that, that's a great question. And, and I'm not, I'm certainly not, uh, uh, you know, part of being, having good personal character is also knowing that you're not, you're not perfect. And I certainly do not, um, always exhibit the, the amount of, uh, empathetic characteristics that I want. But I think when you have tough conversations with business partners or, a personal partner, right? Whatever it might be. I think the one, one way to approach it is to, uh, put the filter through their eyes of the issue at hand and try to do that before you go in to negotiate, persuade, talk, discuss, try to really put yourself in their shoes and see the issue through their eyes and then go in uh, with sort of your through your eyes and through their eyes and sort of start the dialogue or the conversation that way is a much better way than just jamming your point over and over and kind of beating your head against the wall and getting nowhere. You kind of go, I mean, I, I got divorced uh, about two years ago and we went through mediation and uh, it was a technique that, that worked really well I'm not saying there wasn't like blow up arguments or fights or anything like that. Cause there certainly were, but I would go into it thinking about, all right, she sees it this way. I'm, I see it this way. How do I approach this so that she understands that I see her perspective and her point of view, and then try to get her to see my perspective and my point of view 
so that we can come to some agreement in the middle or some compromise. And so I think that's one way to, that I like to deal with the partners that I have in the business or a client issue or a personal issue is really trying to understand why they might feel that way and what's leading to that. And if you were them, how would that make you feel? And and almost starting the dialogue from that perspective versus your perspective is also a very useful technique. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's so hard to do, especially under duress, but it's critical and it's incredibly valuable. I mean, how do you, have you ever been in that situation where you're as a lawyer, you're going lawyer to lawyer? Cause you know, lawyers aren't necessarily, uh, incentivized to be empathetic to the other side, right? You're incentivized to be empathetic to your client, mm-hmm. not to the other side, right? So you're mm-hmm. sort of that the structure of that is almost um you're almost doing your client a disservice by seeing the other perspective mm-hmm. in a way, right? Depends. It depends. And look at me answering like a lawyer. It, it depends, of course, right? Uh, but uh, it, it depends because here's what I realized, Jason, is that I have to always remember that even though I'm the legal expert, I, they're the boss. They're the boss. Yeah. I, everything I do has to, I need their blessing to do it. And even though for me, sometimes it feels good to, to flex on another lawyer, kind of going toe to toe and have this, um, <laughs> you know, let's, let's call it an ego measuring contest. You know, I know yeah. ultimately that is not what's best for the client because it's cool for me because I get paid regardless. We bill more hours. I yeah. get to fight more. I feel like the big man on campus. That's, that feels great, but it's not helping the client. You know, and so oftentimes when I'm, when I was practicing, when I was confronted with a lot of emotionality and somebody trying to, you know, to be really aggressive, um, what I had to do was a bit of, uh, you know, negotiation jujitsu here, kind of diffuse the situation. But what's important, Jason, for me to do when you think about the, the dynamics of the, of the relationship is that I need to negotiate with my client beforehand to set expectations for how the conversation is going to go. And so I have to mm-hmm. tell them, hey, listen, um, there are going to be times where this person is going to insult us. They're going to be attacking and those type of things. And what we are going to want to do reflexively is fight back, but we have to stay focused on the goal. And as things heat up, let me take control in this moment and I'll diffuse the situation so we can stay productive. And so the thing is, if I were to not have that conversation, with the client and not walk them through the strategy and not tell them what they are about to see. They'll say, what? You see what that lawyer is doing? That that lawyer is a bulldog. And then my, my attorney is over here being diplomatic. And so if you don't have that conversation and negotiate the strategy beforehand, then your client's going to feel like you don't have their back. So in order for me to use a good negotiation strategy, I have to negotiate with the client beforehand to make sure that they're on board with the approach. So it's, it's tough and it's tempting to go, go toe to toe with another lawyer. That's always fun to do. Um, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's rarely, yeah. rarely productive. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't get, it doesn't get the result that you want. And you hope on the other side, there's a, there's also a lawyer that isn't, you know, there's going to be bulldog lawyers, but that they also understand that, what's best for both clients is a a resolution, right? And just sticking, just digging in and digging in is not going to get anyone anywhere, right? Like you're not going to move any, you're not going to go, it's just going to keep your clients paralyzed longer, right? 
and they're just going to mm-hmm. be waiting for some resolution that's going to be harder and harder to come by. Uh, but if you can uh, try to keep your cool and negotiate and um, make your point clear, uh, then hopefully you can get to a some kind of common ground, right? Exactly. But that's where the, dis- the discipline comes in, right? Because we have to really suspend our emotional agenda and hold back what we want to immediately say in the moment in order to say the right thing to keep us moving in a productive direction. That's, that is one of the toughest parts. It can be, it can be a a negotiating, right? It can be a street fight where you, you want to get like a zinger in there. Um, but, but ultimately, um, it might feel good in a, in a moment, but it's going to chip away at the outcome that you want. You know, it's not going to get you where you want. Um, As you say this, yeah. several conversations are coming up in my mind, you know, times where I'm sure. like, oh, man, I nailed them with that one. Yeah, and then I made everything worse. Yeah. Felt great in the moment, though. Felt great, Jason. It it everything it fell apart. <laughs> no, man, this, this was fun. I, I appreciate this. And before you go, let the listeners know again about your company, your book, and how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, sure. Um, my, you can find out more about the book at the soulfulart.com. It's a website. You can buy the book on Amazon, anywhere books are sold. And, uh, my company is, uh, mechanism, M E K A N I S M.com. That's more about the uh, advertising agency. And you can find me at Jason underscore Harris on Twitter, Instagram, et cetera. Appreciate it, man. This was great. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.